Welcome to the podcast, Super Friends. Five podcast producers from across North America get together to discuss podcasting. We'll do it live. <laughs> do it live. Doing it live. Podcast Super Friends, we're back again. Hi, and welcome back. It's like we say welcome back, but it's like the only person who went away was me. But I'm back. <laughs> welcome Thank back you. to the uh, North American continent, Matt. Well, I'm glad you. you. I'm glad you didn't forget how to speak English. Yeah, I also didn't practice a lot of Spanish other than ordering my food. But <laughs> I, uh, I margarita, really taco, por favor. <laughs> so today for uh, the podcast, Super Friends, I thought we would get into twenty questions, and I looked over the you know the podcast news from the last month and go through emails and discussions and. You know, it's basically just a lot of questions about that people ask every day about starting a podcast. So what we're going to do today, it's not quite the Spanish Inquisition, but we're going to go around the table here with, with a number of questions. They're going to be short snappers. We'll see how quickly we can get through 20 of them. Um, and we'll see how, which question we spend the most time on and, and go from there. So, uh, but before we start with the questions, we'll go around the table and everybody will introduce themselves, starting with Catherine. Hey, everybody. My name is Catherine O'Brien. I produce podcasts in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. My company is called Branch Out Programs, and I'm so happy to be here and happy to see you, Matt. I'm ready for these 20 questions. Hi, I'm Johnny Podcast coming from Fort Worth, Texas. I'm also a podcast producer and an avid trying to grow my Twitter account. So follow me there. <laughs> Boston, hello. Hello, Boston. <clears throat> this is David Yaz in Boston. We produce podcasts here at the Boston Podcast Network, pod617.com. In pod, we trust. Detroit, hello. Hello, Detroit. Uh, John Gay, Jagging Detroit Podcast, originally from Boston, but that's not relevant to this conversation. I create a podcast for businesses and nonprofits. I also co-host podcasts for those who may not necessarily have the gift of gab online at jagindetroit.com. So 20 questions. Here we go. And we're going to start with Jag, your favorite microphone that you recommend to a client. That has never recorded a podcast before. We'll probably have a lot of agreement in this group, but it is the uh, Samsung Q2U, S-A-M-S-O-N. The model is Q2U. Johnny is holding one up right now for those of you watching on video. Thank you, Vanna. Um, it is versatile because it can be plugged into an XLR uh, cable for a recorder or straight USB in your computer if you prefer. And it is a dynamic microphone, unlike the Boo Yeti, which is a condenser microphone. The dynamic microphone will pick up more of your voice and less of all the background sounds around you. The condenser microphone will pick up every uh, barking dog and screaming neighbor in your neighborhood so samson q2u for the win david well i hate to be repetitive but i learned my microphones from jag it is also the samson q2u my backup is usually anything by audio technica in the same price range but the information that i will add is the you can get the q2u for i'm looking at it right now fifty dollars on amazon and what a tremendous bargain because it's all you need. And I think you probably spend more on a Yeti or a blue or one of those other yep. lame mics. So I just have to agree with Jack. Johnny, you've already held up that microphone. Is that the one you recommend? 
I'm gonna. I'd like to consider myself the black sheep of the group, so I'm gonna offer something <laughs> different. So the microphone that I'm currently using is the Shure MV7. That is what I would recommend if you are looking to have kind of the look and style of a Joe Rogan type podcast. This microphone is the little brother of the SM7B. You can plug it directly into your computer via USB cable, or if you do want to go the handheld route, you can also try something like the ATR 2100X from. Audio Technica. Catherine. Well, Johnny just stole it right at the, at the last second. The Audio Technica 2100X is a great, uh, right in the middle of there. I, I would say we've covered some good, better, best. We got some good, better, and best choices for people, especially if they're getting started. Of course, you can spend as much money as you want on a microphone, but we've given you a couple of options two options that are great under $100 and one that is probably, what, $250 for the sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, really, so, it, it depends on your price range. You can go yeah. 100 or up to four or 500. Yeah, Jag, but I like it. Good. Jag, what mic are you using right now? Uh, this is actually the Shure MV7, which I upgraded in my office. I have an I have an SM7B downstairs, though in my studio, those are about 400. The MV7 that I'm on right now is about 200. Same as Johnny right now. Doesn't stick to his own advice. Offers no, one the question, the question buys was, a different one. The question himself. was for a new podcaster just right, starting right. out. I for upgraded. a client, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm not going to make an offering of any sort. I'm just going to say uh, and pat myself on the back for rescuing two clients from the Blue Yeti this week. Two of them showed up and they had Blue Yetis. And I said, they, they'd actually recorded some episodes. And I said, these mics aren't even A on and B, you're not oh, even geez. talking to the right end of them. Um, the best setting for Blue Yeti is off. I, <laughs> I feel like owning a blue yeti is like the prerequisite to wanting to start a podcast i feel like you yes. have to buy the blue yeti first and then you go oh i should start a podcast it's a rite of passage right yeah well and and, and jag knows this i've actually started when i give materials to potential clients or just resources to people who are interested in podcasting i actually now have a link to a very helpful video that will show people exactly how to use the blue yeti to get the best sound out of it because it's not intuitive and especially if it's your first mic it's you might be a little bit in the dark so i've just i've just started setting that out for the people who have the blue yeti who want to do podcasting until they get the mics that we're recommending that link is now on my podcast equipment recommendation page so thank you Yay. Catherine. And even the term sided dress microphone still sails over my head. Right. No, it, it, and it's worth mentioning that for our listeners, which is an end address microphone, you speak into the end of it. A side address microphone, you want to speak into the side of it. So the pit and sake a lot of people make with the Blue Yeti, it is a side address microphone. If you are talking to the top of a Blue Yeti, you are not getting optimal sound from it as you would from talking to the side, the correct side, by the way. Question for Catherine, the best recording platform, because there are some choices out there. These are the recording platforms that will allow you to record your show. There's a bunch of them out there. What do you recommend? I am currently, this is very interesting, Matt, that you'd bring this up right now, because I'm currently using Zencaster, and I've been happy with Zencaster. I know that some people have had, a, I, whenever I say, oh, yeah, I'm, I've been using Zencaster, I hear from people about one of their Zencaster disasters. In general, I would say I, I think that most of the platforms are comparable in their skills. I do think that Zencaster, because they're trying to raise money and they're get, trying to get investors, they've been starting to put on some bells and whistles that I think at, at first weren't very helpful. And of course, as soon as they started 
looking for investment money. I started having technical problems. They've made significant changes to their free hobbyist plant platform. So that's, let's just, in my opinion, essentially has gone away. Uh, so they're making a lot of changes, but I'm still using Zencaster for the time. I've had success with, frankly, I've had success with Squadcast and I've also, frankly, after manipulating the advanced settings, you can do okay with Zoom, but I'm sticking with Zencaster for right now. And Johnny, David, the Zoom guy over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I am a, definitely a simp for Riverside. That's just what works easiest for me. I would agree with Catherine that I, they're all very comparable. Um, what I really like about Riverside is that it's sort of the, it's really comparable to Zoom. Most people are really familiar with using Zoom and I, I would say I've probably done 50 Riverside sessions over the past two months, uh, all with different guests and have not had a single, maybe one or two people who have had issues getting onto Riverside. Riverside also has a mobile app. So if you don't have a laptop, but you still want to get on as a guest on the podcast, you can join on your phone. Although I don't recommend it. Obviously, we would all prefer to, for people to have microphones, treated rooms, things like that. Uh, another thing that Riverside has just introduced is their transcription tool. So they're offering transcripts within their service, which I find it interesting as with AI and all these like tools that are coming out to make transcripts easier and easier. I find that less and less people are caring about them. They're like, wait, do we actually want or need transcripts? So Riverside would be my recommendation. David. Well, <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you that Zoom has the best recording quality, but I will admit <laughs> that I use. I've used all the platforms that have been mentioned so far and just have had a bad experience here or there. The reason why I prefer Zoom is, in in my opinion, if you have a good mic on the other end, you and your, say you're doing it with a co-host and you're doing it by Zoom. I do my music podcast like this. We use Zoom. He has a good microphone. He's got a Samsung Q2U on his end. I've got a good mic on my end. And, um, <clears throat> You know, 97% of the listeners are not going to notice that we're on Zoom. They really won't, um, especially if you use good software to edit your podcast and run it through a filter if necessary. The reason I like Zoom is for the obvious reasons. People know it. They're familiar with it. It syncs with Calendly, so I can send out a link to people and they can automatically book a time to be on my show. And we all get the links at the same time and there's no confusion. Um, usually people are used to setting up the microphone in zoom, although not everybody, but that's it. So for ease, I would just say, if you're using zoom, don't feel embarrassed, stand up and say it loud and proud. Zoom is okay. <laughs> I should point out, by the way, zoom is in the majority. Most people do use zoom for this stuff, but yet we do our very best in this business to ostracize them and to make them feel silly about their decision. <laughs> I use Zoom and I am proud. Yeah. Jag. Um, I will say if you are using Zoom, by the way, make sure you use the original sound for musicians setting. That's yep. uh, that's key to it. Yep. For me, I'm a Squadcast guy. I like Squadcast because I've been with them for a long time. I find their customer service to be very good. And then also uh, there's a little bit of a delay I found in Zencaster Riverside waiting for your guests to upload audio. You have to sit in the session till the audio is uploaded. I don't seem to have that issue with Squadcast. It seems to be pretty instantaneous. Um, Squadcast has a cloud recording backup. I know as others do. And for me, it's just been a matter of if I record in my studio and there's a Squadcast recording and there's a Squadcast backup, I've got th potentially three copies of everything. So it's very rare that there's audio that I, that I don't have that, that I lose. I'm also going to go with Squadcast and remind everybody that they can get the first month free right now by going to squadcast.fm backslash sound off. Wow. 
Well played. Thank you. Thank you. Matt wrote these questions, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jag, what do you use to edit your shows? As far as editing software, I'm an Adobe Audition guy. I learned back in the day on what was then Cool Edit Pro before Adobe bought them out. And so I just because I've learned on it, that's the software that I like. That's the software I use. The best advice I've ever heard is the best digital audio workstation software is the one you like. I hate Audacity. I know people that love it and 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 make and make beautiful music or beautiful podcasts with it. But for make me, a I'm great a, living just off of Audacity. Yeah, I am yeah. an Ado- I am an Adobe Audition guy, and I also um, have have plugins from um, RX for Isotope RX for some higher end stuff, and then um, and then I've used the Descript Studio sound feature and the enhancement in Adobe as well. But Adobe Audition for the win for me, David. I use Descript um, for those that haven't tried it. I really encourage you to do so. It, it's not built. It was originally built, I think, as a transcription tool. It well, The first thing it does is it transcribes your sound file. But then it does have the capabilities of fading sound out, splicing, moving things around just like you would in Audition or GarageBand or Audacity. And I just am in love with the ease to which I use it. If you're, if you're trying to find the part in the podcast where you talked about a chihuahua, and you want to take that out because you said something nasty about chihuahuas, you search for chihuahua. There it is. You don't need to go looking through, listening through the, the whole show. I do use the feature that takes out the ums and the uhs. And uh, 99 times out of 100, there's not a problem with that. You do want to watch it. Sometimes it'll clip something you don't want to clip. But if you've got good sound, it's powerful. It, it's, it's a huge time saver. And also, it's got these artificial intelligent voiceovers so if you want to add like a little sound effect that says we'll be right back after this message you can pick from like eight different voices and i don't use it a lot but it comes in handy sometimes so descript so have you used the part of it because you mentioned the ai part where you maybe the guest or the host got the dog wrong it's not chihuahua you wanted to say golden retriever you can change the word and the ai technology will use the voice to replace so I've I've messed around with that. And here's the thing with that. First of all, if you think it's scary, it is. It's scary to, to for someone else <laughs> for someone else to have the ability to simulate your voice and make you say anything you want. What Descript does is only allows you to do your own voice. Now, granted, if you gave your credentials to someone else, they could do it, but you have to read a script that goes about 10 minutes. And then it can, in fact, simulate your voice saying Chihuahua or really anything under the sun. It's not perfect yet. If you, if I, you know, typed out the Gettysburg Address and had me say it, a lot of the intonation would be wrong. Some of the emphasis would be on the wrong words. But in a pinch, you, yeah, you can use it if if it's your own voice and you're and you've gone through the steps to, for Descript to create a robot version of you. It's fun Johnny, to play what with. Do you use? Uh, I have my master's degree in Logic Pro X after getting my bachelor's from GarageBand. <laughs> so started on GarageBand just because that's the free version. But if you're an Apple Mac user, um, it's you know it's the Apple version of of Adobe Audition. So um, again, it's like Jack said, it's whatever's easiest for you to use. It costs two hundred dollars. It's a one time payment, which I find to be an advantage over the Adobe Suite. Yeah. The Adobe Suite is a monthly subscription versus Logic. You pay it once and you have it forever. Um, I'm also a huge plugin nerd. I love to use uh, Crumple Pop plugins, Isotope as well. Waves is, has a ton of really great plugins. And then in terms of learning that stuff, um, I don't really think any of us 
went to school to learn this stuff. A lot of it is just self-taught. You find out what works. You find out how to make great sound, how to use compression. It's all by trial and error, or you hire somebody like us. Uh, however, I'm also in the camp with David as well. Uh, I, I'm not big on cutting out ums and uhs manually, so I will sometimes drop an audio file into Descript and only use it for removing ums and uhs, and then I'll export it back into Logic and do what I do with the rest of the episode. Um, David, I didn't realize how powerful <laughs> Descript actually was. I feel yeah. like you should do like a masterclass video course on everything that you can actually do with yeah, Descript. It's crazy. It And it's... Like I said, just a just a huge huge time saver. Johnny, can you mention you mentioned some of those plugins? But I like I don't know what they do. Give, give us an example. Right. So, like for example, Crumple Pop has a, a, a plugin called Echo Remover. Um, so that pulls the echo out. It's essentially a de reverb tool. Um, and then for Isotope, I really love the de plosive tool, the de sing tool. Um, and then in Isotope RX, I think it's ten. They offered an audio restoration tool where. Um, it has a different type of de-reverb tool, which I have found works a lot better on voices that are not recorded with a microphone, but recorded with either AirPods or the computer speaker. Yeah, dialogue de-reverb, right? Yeah. And then uh, on Waves, I really love the CLA, the CLA2, which is a great compressor tool as well. And then I have uh, one called the Elixir from a different uh, a different company that i bought the plugin from but that essentially allows me to stop clipping and peaking at minus three decibels which i found is a really great audio to you know if somebody yells or laughs in a podcast it can really hurt the person's ears if you're not skilled in using compression <laughs> and i think that really is the biggest thing that you need to learn is being able to keep, to stop someone's audio from going above a certain peaking. threshold that is really what's the most key. And if you can do that and remove echo, and then you go into the next level of like removing plosives or mouth clicking, mouth de-click is another great tool as well. All of that combined with a, a nice microphone, you're going to have a really great sounding podcast. By the way, Jag mentioned the studio sound function in Descript. And Jag, I think you might have introduced me to that in the first place. Also, I'm not sure. Maybe we discovered it about the same time, but it, it is an absolute game changer, particularly... If you're recording uh, something where the other person doesn't have a microphone and whether it's Zoom or any other platform, if they just sound like they're distant and, and fuzzy, it can rescue your pod. It's amazing. You do have to watch it because occasionally it can give the person a lisp that they you probably don't want. Them to. Yeah, it can, it, it can pull out S's, which is dangerous. Yeah. And also these AI things, they're always updating. So if you use the script, you'll see it's a new version of the script. You want to upgrade and it'll restart and, and upgrade your script. So yeah. they're always tweaking it. And some of the tweaks, honestly, are better than others. The reason for that, that you get that kind of effing sound is when you put too much on the de-ether that gives it because it's muting so much of that S, that sharp S sound. Yeah, it overcorrects. You really have to fine tune that, which is, you know, for 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 certain people, that tool works, the studio sound. I like to get a lot more surgical with it, with the actual tool and get, you know, really deep down into it. Mm -hmm. Catherine, what do you use? Well, it's it's Descript is the going to be the name of the game right now. I started on Audacity and I used it for years and years and years. And it really was a, just one of those things where that's where I learned. I was comfortable. I the plugins that I figured out, I loved. I still and I still sometimes will use Audacity because I like the noise reduction. They, the noise reduction is probably one of the better DAWs for, for removing some of the noise. There's a great plugin for compressing dynamics that I also really like that is kind of like my secret sauce rescue if I ever need to do any sort of rescuing. But 
the ease of Descript has been very enticing. And so I've actually, this that's one of my projects this month is I'm actually going through some of the tutorials of Descript to learn all of the powerful functions. Because like many of us, because I, you know, I was autodidact, I learned podcast production on my own and learned with Audacity. I just figured out Descript and didn't know a lot of the the power that goes behind it. Studio Sound, as we've already mentioned, has been a huge, huge, huge benefit to me. And just the time saving of not having to manually remove the crutch words, I just think like, okay, I'd rather rather spend a little bit more time learning some of the functions of Descript and using it to its full potential than fiddling around with a couple of different DAWs. And so far, I've been having success, especially because so much of my business now has moved to remote recording more so than it ever has been before. I do have a, a comment about Descript that I'm going to save for when we're talking about transcription specifically. Yeah, we might, get to, we might get to the transcription part in part two of this at the rate that we're going through the 20 <laughs> We're questions doing fine. Here. Come on. One, yeah. just one Lightning, more lightning, kids. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have found that use Descript, if you're using it with a lot of podcasts, um, delete your old files because it will mysteriously take up your entire hard drive. Yes. Uh, before you know it, that happened to you, Jag. Yeah, it took me a while to figure out why I was running out of memory on my computer. It, it was Descript, so you got to monitor. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. I use Twisted Wave. It is for Mac only, and you can put a lot of those uh, toys that you were talking about, Johnny, like the RX. You can include that. It is Mac only, and predominantly, you can't really mix with it. So it's really just, I use it just for editing and as well for my voiceover business. But I love Twisted Wave. Uh, simple, it's a $100 purchase. Uh, podcast host. Catherine, what podcast host do you love and why? Do you mean a, you know what I realized? Do you, do you mean a person or do you mean a hosting company? Hosting company. <laughs> oh, I thought he meant a person. I had my Spotify pulled up. I was like, what podcast do I really love? <laughs> That's so funny. I, I th- yeah, I, I interpret it. I was thinking, oh, I can't wait to talk about this person. Well, I, I use, I use Libsyn for most of the shows that I work on. Okay. Johnny? Uh, Libsyn and Megaphone. David, I uh, partner with a company called Adori, who started their company about the same time I started mine. So they're small, but very um, useful, terrific platform. Adori. I'll also say that I've used uh, Buzzsprout, Simplecast, among others. Most of them are kind of all pretty good and pretty much the same, in my opinion. Jack. Simplecast, I have a network I, they set up for me so that I, all my clients can use dynamic ad insertion and get better statistics. I'm a, a big fan of Simplecast. Don't you have yeah, an affiliate code too, Jack? Yeah, I where's do. your link? Since we're all promoing ourselves. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Get your money, kid. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of these podcast hosts, a lot of them do a lot of the same things now, including a dynamic ad insertion. And so I'm Megaphone and Art19, but in the past I have used um, Libsyn. I've also used Podbean at one point. I guess the I one thing I would do not use SoundCloud is still my mantra. Yes. Do not use SoundCloud. Okay. They never really caught up, did they? Uh, so interesting question here. Um, the most underrated marketing hack for promoting a podcast that you have. What is the most underrated marketing hack for promoting a podcast? Jack. Something that I think a lot of people don't know is you can share a Spotify link to Instagram. If you hit the share button on Spotify, you can post the direct link to your Instagram. And one of the problems of posting to social media is how do you move somebody over from the social media app they're on to the podcast app you want them to listen on? One click, share Spotify to Instagram. 
David. Mine would be shout outs and then tagging people in social media. So to give an example, if you're doing a podcast about cars and I know nothing about cars, but it's just an example um, on your Facebook page, put a, um, a question that says, Hey, who remembers what their first car was? And you'll probably get a dozen people saying what their first car is. Now you do your podcast episode about everyone's first car and the people that chimed in, they may not even listen to your podcast, but you, they responded to you on social media. So you say, Hey, I just want to shout out, you know, Catherine drove a Buick and Johnny drove a El Dorado and sorry, I'm making that up. Um, and then when you post the podcast, say, check out this podcast we did about first cars. And then you tag all the people that commented. And now you've got, you know, a bunch of people that are potentially ambassadors to your podcast. Not only are they going to listen, but maybe they'll hear it. Catherine, what's yours? Uh, direct mailing, burning your podcast onto CDs and sending them out in a special mailer to everybody. Wow. No. For real? <laughs> no. <laughs> you had me. Right. Yeah, CDs. Me. What is that? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say doing cold emails to to people, places, things that you talk about on the show. That's something with some of my pods, my clients that we've been starting to do is just doing a reach out. If we talk to people, I'll talk about people on the podcast is sending them a little promotional emails, telling them where the, the segment starts talking about them. And I don't know what the response, you know, like. I just it's it is something I'm doing. I can't attest to the success or failure yet, but I think it's something that is worthwhile doing. It's just that little extra step for when you're talking about somebody on the podcast. Johnny, go on other podcasts, go be a guest on other shows. And if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'd love to go do that. But who's similar to my audience? What is a tool that I could use to find shows that are in the same lane as mine? Well, there's a great tool called Rephonic. That's R-E-P-H-O-N-I-C.com. They have a graph where you just type in your podcast name and it will show you based on listener data pulled from Apple Podcasts, what other people, what other shows that your listeners listen to. You can find like a hundred shows and it's like a little spider web graph, your shows in the middle and all the shows that are really similar to yours are connected. Cold email them. I'd love to be a guest on your podcast. I think we have a similar, similar audience. You can offer a cross promotion kind of deal to get on their show. They come on your show and you open yourself up to an entirely new audience. And you've already whittled down the demographic to people who listen to podcasts. Do, do you actually, Johnny, do you actually mention in that email that um, you use this Rephonic tool? And I guess you don't need to. You don't want to sound like you're no. pitch person for Rephonic, I guess. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, you want to pretend that you're listening to their show. Yeah. <laughs> Your best friends have. I think yeah. of all awesome. time, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, mine's the Facebook birthday. So when somebody that you've had on your show has a birthday, go on their Facebook page, wish them happy birthday. And thanks a lot for coming on my podcast and leave a link because who's going to listen ah. to the show, but all their friends. Wow. That's a great wow. one. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're going to have 500 people visiting their Facebook page. Most of them only that day for the rest of the year, but that's the day they're going to visit them. Love yeah. it. David, what's the best day to release an episode? I have nothing more than conventional wisdom here that says Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I'd say think out of the box and think about your audience. There's a music podcast I do, and we discovered that we actually did very well releasing on Friday or Saturday. And our, our thinking was that our podcast is much more of a dessert than a meat and potatoes meal, and that people probably just save it for Friday or you know when they're walking the dog on a Saturday. You know, when dogs are pooping, that's when we want people listening to uh, our our show. So. Amen. <laughs> uh, well, Jag, you walked the dog this morning. 
I did. What's the best day? I, I'd say Tuesday because to David's point, Monday and Friday are too close to the weekend and people are out of routine. So um, I'd say Tuesday, but to David's point, do a little trial and error. Sometimes you can sometimes get a better feel for where your audience is, but once you figure that out, be consistent. So I say Tuesday, Catherine. Okay. This is blowing my mind because every, almost every weekly podcast I listen to comes out on Mondays or Thursdays. But then whenever we have these kind of conversations, I hear Tuesdays and Wednesdays. That's it's just it yeah. seems so crazy. I I am not going to be I'm going to be uh, day agnostic. I'm just going to say early morning. You have to do it overnight at midnight plus a minute or whatever because we all know that morning is the most popular time people are listening to their podcasts. Johnny, let me counter that really quick. Catherine is if because this recently this conversation that specific topic just came up of releasing it at midnight and that's when I release most of the shows that I work on. Uh, however, the counter argument to that is if someone decides to release their episode at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., everyone's still waking up at 630 in the morning. Right. Their show is now at the top of their feed versus I now have to scroll down to yours that was released at midnight if I'm subscribed mm. to a bunch of podcasts. So something to think about. As okay. for days of release, I would say release it on the day that you can stick to consistently. Mm. I'm a fan of 6 a.m. as well. I'll co-sign on that. Mm. I'm a fan of 1 a.m. I, I want it there overnight. I want them waking up to it. I don't think there's a bunch of episodes that really sort of pop up the way that they used to. I want it to get everywhere. And also my 1 a.m. is somebody else's 7 a.m. in Spain. So none of us are international podcasters like you, Matt. <laughs> no, but I'm number one in Nigeria. Watch out. Watch out. You're huge in Nigeria. Yeah. Um, and by the way, most of my clients request Tuesday. Just because I think it's the easier marketing day and and you can still get an ask out of people, hey, listen to this podcast, as opposed to if you do it on Thursday, there's less time in the week for, for people to make a plan to listen to the show. But the correct answer, by the way, is to release it today. <laughs> Today's Tuesday. Whatever today is. Yeah. Catherine, what was the very first podcast you produced for someone else? Well, the very first podcast I produced for somebody else was the Pawcast, which I did for Friends of the Animals, Baton Rouge. And but then the first podcast that I was paid to do is Solo Travel Talk for Astrid Clements, who is a travel writer. Jag, uh, the uh, uh, what is that called? It's called Living with Cystic Fibrosis. Uh, Laura Bonnell, my very first client, she uh, has two daughters with cystic fibrosis. She has a foundation and she uh, puts together a tremendous podcast talking to people in the cystic fibrosis community. I have learned a lot about this horrible disease through this podcast. She's been a great client for four or five years now. Johnny. December of 2018, The Fort with Chris Powers. Uh, <laughs> still a client of mine today. We just released episode 275 today. Woo, woo, woo. Wow. He has crossed over a million downloads and he's kicking ass. David. The Cannamon show featuring uh, Joyce Gerber. So it's she interviews women who have done well in the cannabis industry. It's anything but a stoner podcast. It's very much about the business of cannabis, but I've have learned a lot about cannabis over the years. And God bless her. Uh weekly, almost without exception. Sometimes she takes a few weeks in the summers off, but still doing it, still still going strong. Excellent. Mine was your gut reaction with Marla Barr, which was released right around uh, July of 2018. Um, hasn't pod faded, but we haven't produced an episode now in about, about eight months. So hopefully that one will restart again soon. But um, by the way, that question was inspired by Steve Pratt, who told me at a conference that you never forget your first when it comes to making <laughs> a podcast. 
Do you ever go back and listen to the old ones you produced and say, oh, my uh, God, it's garbage because I, I suck. I, I say to myself, why did I let that person talk uh, on that microphone? Why did I post this? What was I thinking? Every podcast host who's done 10 episodes hates the way their first one sounded. And as editors and producers right. were all the same way. That's right. So just dive right in. Don't stop trying to make your first episode perfect, people, because no matter what you do, episodes two, three, four, episodes 21, 31, 100, they're all going to be better than your first one. Johnny, what was the one? what's the one thing you wish podcasters would stop doing? Say, um, <laughs> um, all right, David. Uh, uh, oh, uh, oh, I, th I thought, uh, oh, sorry, I got confused. Um, this is a real question. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I wish they would stop stammering and avoiding the question like this podcaster is doing. I don't like the uh throat clearing stuff going on at the beginning of a show, uh, unless you've really earned it. In, in other words, if I click on a podcast and I want to know the three ways to help. Um, you know, make my car go faster or whatever. I don't know why I keep talking about cars, but the three ways to make my peanut butter sandwich taste better. I want to hear those three things. I don't want to hear the host talking about how they got up this morning and shoveled the snow. And did you hear about how the, the Clippers did last night? Come on, get to the point. Catherine. This is a little bit from the host side of things. I'm really tired of podcast hosts. Uh, debating all of the things about the uh, video podcast and the audio podcast. I'm really very, very tired of that conversation completely. And you know what? I'm getting a little sick of podcasts that are just chock-a-block with ads. That is starting to get to me as well. Jag. Using a Blue Yeti microphone. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. You all knew I was going to say that. <laughs> My really? lifelong crusade against the blue, the blue Yeti rep that watches this stream. I know we're never going to get a sponsor. If we're <laughs> hey, I, Matt, I don't know if we'll get to this later. And I know we still need your answer, but if we could spend maybe 90 seconds on what Catherine said about ads, because I struggle with this. I've got a podcast that has as many as eight ads and it's, it's almost simply too many. But yeah. uh, I don't know if you think it's worth talking about where you how you space those out. Well, I actually, Jag and I would have just flunked match game because I thought he was going to say for <laughs> podcasters to stop asking for ratings and reviews. Yeah, uh, that too. Okay, that's number two on my list. So yeah, but I'm taking that answer and that's my answer. But but to that, I don't <laughs> mind talking, David. Let's talk a little bit about ads for a second, Catherine's point. So what's the problem with ads and how do we fix it? I worry about the pre-roll ads because especially for a podcast that's still in its first year, um, I want to get to the meat. I, I don't, I mean, I know it's become part of the industry to have a couple ads pre-roll, but if you're Rogan, you can get away with that. So I tend to pick two, two mid-roll spots and no more than 60 seconds each. That's what I aspire to, but, but I'm not necessarily right. That's just my taste. I'll jump in. I'll say that uh, pre-rolls are not great in my opinion because your first minute of your podcast is your first impression and especially of your most recent episode in most cases somebody finds your podcast they check it out or the first thing they hear is ads that's going to turn them off so I, I hear what you're saying David I'm going to play, devil, I'm gonna play hold on I want to play devil's advocate really quick one the, the host gets money for having ads you're going to make the most amount of money by selling pre-roll ads if the listener doesn't like the ads but loves your podcast they'll skip through them Fair, but I, I just worry about building audience. And yeah, we'll, that's existing listeners versus new right. listeners is what we're debating here. I think. 
time codes well, put in time codes first question starts here touch that skip everything well the, uh, does anybody worry about how we're all encouraging our clients to be on youtube if you're on youtube when the typical user clicks on the podcast they're going to get an ad a youtube ad before the not podcast they, so you get youtube ahead of thousand subs no uh pretty much any youtube video has as a unless you're a premium user we're all watching a like a 15 second uh ad uh, right okay I don't know. I use yeah, I use YouTube premium. You know? Well, let me let me pop in here. So there's like a little bit of a combination of what you guys are talking about. So I, I listen to some podcasts where the host of the show will do some host read ads that are built into the show. Then there will be dynamic ad insertion that is giving another voice or just like a standard commercial advertisement popped in either before mid-roll or even post-roll, you know, in the, in the outro area. And the, I'm, I, for years as a podcast lover, I have been diligent about listening to the ads because I, I saw it as part of my like support of the show that I was liked. I have bought things using promo codes that I might not otherwise buy because I'm supporting the shows that I like. So I'm one of those people. I want to support the podcasting. But now it seems like because we're, we're now into the territory of CPM, you know, so this is, we're, we're, Podcasting are podcasts are being subjected to more of the standard advertising rate that now podcasters are doing more and more advertising for smaller amounts of money. So it just is becoming more. And I guess my my thought was, forgive me for being nostalgic, but some of the some of the magic of podcasting of just having that that show that is about the content or about the the whatever the subject is of the podcast starts getting diluted with with so many ads getting stuck in there and it applies to YouTube as well as just in the straight up audio final counterpoint from my end Dr. Andrew Huberman's podcast and Tim Ferriss are each doing over a million downloads per episode and the first 9 minutes of both of their shows are ads skip yeah, skip, thank you. skip skip yeah they i know can. yeah who listens to that many ads i mean nobody they skip through yeah. Well, then why are we doing it? Yeah. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with. 
at soundoff.network. This podcast supports podcasting 2.0. If you like this show or are getting value from it, hit the boost button now. If you don't have a boost button, you can get one now at newpodcastapps.com. Catherine, you get to start, even though you just finished, you get to continue on here. What was the podcast that inspired you to get into podcasting? Hmm, I think probably, well, I think Adam Carolla, because Adam Carolla was on morning radio in Los Angeles, and he went from, he left, he, well, <laughs> like so many, like so many radio, <laughs> radio jobs, he did the podcast, he made the jump to podcasting. And I, it was the first one that I sort of watched in real time become successful. I also was a fan of public radio that were also releasing their, their show as a podcast. And it was just sort of like, what is this podcasting thing? It, it took me a while to get it. But I think Adam Kroll was the first one that I watched that was exclusively doing podcasting. Jag? Probably the Daily for the New York Times. That was the first one I listened to religiously. They do such a great job every morning on deep dive on one particular topic. David? Mine, uh, Catherine stole my thunder. Adam Carolla's was the one that got me into it because I realized in listening to the Adam Carolla show, even if he didn't have a guest that was entertaining, he, he was so talented in, in just the art of conversation and, and observing everyday things with his two sidekicks. That interplay, that the art of that conversation became the reason for for tuning in. There's one other I'll mention, and it was a short-run podcast. It was by comedian Jeff Garland, who most people know from Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's Larry's agent. But he did a series of conversations uh, recorded live at Largo in LA, and he made it into this podcast series called By the Way. And what, what was interesting was he, he would be talking to his guest. The guest would share a story. Jeff Garland would say, that reminds me of that. And he would tell a story. And one time the guest was like, I thought I was being interviewed. And Jeff Garland says, no, it's a conversation. It's a conversation. And that really, to me, is at the heart of, of podcasting is what I tell all my hosts is, don't be afraid to talk. The listeners want to hear from you, too. It's your show. So there you go. Johnny. Congratulations with Chris D'Elia, stand-up comedian who was since recently been canceled. Uh, but his was a... Uh, his was just kind of a solo ranting podcast and he just was just so good at just talking for an hour. And I just loved the medium of just hearing someone be so entertaining and it's not music. It's not a YouTube video. It was just, it's, it was just something different and it just, you know, I love it. Has he not been uncanceled yet? He's come back and he's got, you know, he's back in touring and stuff, but uh, you know, I, I feel like I outgrew his comedy. It seems like it's just for a different age demographic. So, but that's, that was who I first started. <laughs> Says the youngest guy in the group. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, there, there's almost a double meaning to what you just said too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was a, a, pod never mind. a podcast called YOY, which is actually a dating podcast that was done by Panoply, but I just love the fact that they could go, that they were recording people who were on dates and then it sounded a little bit public radio, but it didn't, it sounded very warm. And I thought, Oh, that's a completely different sound than radio. And at that moment I said, I want to create audio that sounds like that. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how I got here. What if you had to pinpoint one difference between and Jag, you're good to answer this as well, that between radio and podcasting, Matt, what, I mean, I have my answer, but I want to hear from you former, former radio guys. Podcasting. You're speaking to somebody radio. You're speaking at somebody. I would say for me, radio is very cutthroat and it's us versus them. If you're not, it's a limited pie. And for podcasting, it's more rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. Wow. Yeah, you're both wrong, even though you're former radio guys. No, 
I don't know. I always thought it was that podcast can breathe. You can let it breathe. It's what you, I tell a guest when I sit down. We're going to go for 30 minutes, but if we're going, if we're having fun, we'll go longer. You can't do that on radio, right? It's like, look no. at the clock, look at the meter and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a double meeting too. You can let that episode now breathe forever versus for radio. I need to be listening to you in my car at 8.30 a.m. on Tuesday and Thursday. You want those yeah. Taylor Swift tickets. Yeah. Yes, that's so true, Johnny. But what app are you going to be listening to? Favorite app to listen to podcasts and explain your answer. I use Spotify because uh, it allows me to have my music and my podcasts right there. There's also, they're rolling it out for more and more people. But for some shows, there is a video video component for podcasts. Um, not totally sure how that all works. Spotify also allows you to ask questions to the listener. If you scroll to the bottom of the show notes, you can have a Q&A. What did you think about this episode? Uh, would you recommend this episode to a friend? You can totally customize all that as well. Um, and then there's one more thing that I'm trying to figure out. I've seen it with, uh, again, Dr. Huberman's podcast is chapter markers, not just the time codes. The time codes are listed out, but if you scroll even further, there are actual chapter blocks listed out there. So I'm trying to figure out how to get those for my clients. Catherine. Podcast Republic, because I have an Android phone. That's first. Now coming in strong, I'm listening to more and more podcasts on YouTube because I'm on YouTube for other reasons. And Spotify, I do like the user experience. So those are my top three. Jag. I started on Apple Podcasts. I went over to Spotify after I got frustrated with the UX uh, or UI on Apple. I'm told Apple has improved it, but I'm good on Spotify. Even though I don't pay for Spotify, I feel no need to go back. David. Um, after this podcast, maybe I'll switch. I don't know. I, I, I listen on Apple Podcasts. I tried to go to Spotify. It just was like I was used to wearing this old shoe. So I went back to the old shoe. It Apple Podcasts. tries. It's true. Yeah. It's you, you got to hit that Coke machine a few times before you tip it over. So um, I'm eager to hear more about what you can do on Spotify. It's a, it's a wonderful product. So um, Apple Podcasts, but only out of familiarity. There are a lot of problems with it. In the car, it's Apple. On the airplane, it's Apple. In the home, though, it is Spotify, so I can uh, sync it up with my uh, smart speaker device. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. You're like the one of 10 global people that uses a smart speaker to listen to podcasts, according to <laughs> Triton Digital. Well, I'm still using Spotify. I'm just listening to it through the smart speaker, so I'm not sure Triton is picking up what I'm throwing down. Mm. So again, sometimes the data can be a little bit funky, right? Always. That's true. Jag, what's the hardest part about making a podcast? Planning out the content, making sure that you know how you're going to get from A to B to C. I can't tell you how many times I've had a client say, let's just get on the riff for a while and the final product shows. Catherine? Uh, the time it takes to make a high quality episode. Johnny? Dealing with a guest when you're recording remotely. They don't have a microphone. They have a sh shite internet connection and their dog is barking in the background and their newborns on their lap <laughs> david oh sorry um is that your newborn? <laughs> no, that was, yeah, my newborn puppy scheduling <laughs> scheduling guests it's there's no way around it it's a it's a headache to try to stay on your cadence of of posting and get a get get guests lined up when you need to so you got to be vigilant uh jag i'm going to ask this uh, uh, what was the question again? It was the hardest, hardest part. part oh, the answer is editing. I, <laughs> it just takes so it just takes so long, right? And especially if you're like David, who you get clients who just riff and riff and go forever. Now you got two <laughs> hours to edit, and that's going to be four and a half hours. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Jag, I think I know your answer with this one, but I want everyone to sort of name the podcast you've worked on that exceeded your expectations in terms of performance. And you mentioned the cystic fibrosis uh, podcast. Was it that one or another one? It wasn't. Can I cheat and give you two? Um, yeah, so as I've mentioned in previous episodes, my uh, WJPZ50 podcast from my college radio station is now over 6,000 downloads for a real niche audience of folks that, uh, you know, that, that would be tied to the radio station. Um, but I'm going to give you another one, um, and that is the Marrow Masters podcast that I work on with the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link. This is a podcast providing resources to folks who have been through a bone marrow transplant. And uh, we have, I'm looking at it right now on my screen, we have, uh, I think, uh, 78 episodes. And in 78 episodes, we have almost 20,000 downloads because this is super serving a community and they are spreading it within the community, uh, this resource with information for people who have. Uh, had a bone marrow transplant. So the Marrow Masters podcast for me. Catherine? I have to say, living love it by far. First of all, I've been having this phenomenal relationship working with the host of the show, Jessica, who works at this independent school based in Atlanta, Georgia. And she gets the most incredible feedback week after week after week regarding this show. She's had alumna who have not been in contact with the school, say this is the first thing that made them feel connected to the school in a decade. We've heard from parents. We've heard from prospective families. We've heard from people who want to work at the school. I actually asked her, I said, are you are you making these up, these letters and these cards that you're getting? Because I'm just blown away by how much impact this show is having. And in fact, they were profiled in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution paper based on the show. It's just been just tremendous. And I am so grateful to be a part of of that show johnny uh this show is called think like an owner uh hosted by a fantastic guy named alex bridgman and similar to jack very niche audience people who are looking to buy a smaller medium-sized business hmm. small niche audience however very wealthy audience and hmm. he was able to leverage uh partnerships with advertisers to go full-time on the podcast fully paid for his entire life at like 23 years old and wow. it, it was just incredible what he's been able to do david i produced a podcast called Monsterland, which was with uh you talk about exceeded expectations i didn't know what to expect these two dudes approached me they are fans and enthusiasts of the paranormal bigfoot ufos the whole deal turns out they're both funny charming they're not nuts, as, as I might have suspected. <laughs> and you talk about a niche audience. It's, it's just that thing. If, if you're into the paranormal, you are going to crave that information. And to this day, I think it's a podcast that garnered the most downloads of any I've produced. So never underestimate the, the passion of a niche audience of any weird thing you can dream up. That's what podcasting is a lot of times. Yeah, and that's I'm going to say the exact same thing for two of the honorable mentions that I have, which is Humans on Rights, which is a podcast out of Winnipeg, um, championing championing human rights, and the other one is uh, You Do Woo, which is a Texas-based podcast about human design. But the one that I've really opened my eyes again, it's Let's Take This Outside with Marianne Iveson, and it's mm -hmm. just simply about going outdoors and uh, the number of people who came to support the show. And and you know supported through through advertising. We sold out in six months, and now we don't have any place to put the ads. Good so, problem to have. 
Well, again, we but we also banged on having too many ads earlier on. But yeah, every show does. Put them all at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, but it sounds like you have a limit, so I'm content. Yeah, well, I'm sure she'll say, "Why are we reading ten minutes of ads before I do my show?" Shut up! Take this money. <laughs> uh, Catherine, transcription. What do you use? What's the best? I have been using Descript. And I'll say this, is that because of the nature of a lot of my clients, they are in industries, and this is speaking about U.S. law, because of accessibility issues, I recommend my clients have a transcript. People like them, or or let's say a limited number of people like them. Some people rely on them. And so that's why we say yes to having a transcript. I, because I'm using Descript anyway with my... uh, editing. I'm, that's where I like to get the transcription. Here's my beef. I just discovered, Descript, that if you put in two tracks, which is I record in multi-track as much as I can, a 29-minute speaker A audio with a 29-minute spe- speaker B into Descript, they count that as 58 minutes of transcription eating away at my monthly allowance, which oh. I, I think that's bogus because the final product is a 29 minute audio. So I might, I might have a, a sternly worded tweet to Descript later to find out can more you, about this. Can you combine the tracks, download it and then re-upload it and then it's only one track or no? But that's, yeah. So that's just, that's just more work for me. That seems. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 The Anybody here just um, followed the Blue Yeti rep out of the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> there goes my promo We're code promo code Catherine, yeah. for sponsors yeah johnny promo. what about you uh i'm very old school i use people um i have a gal out in greece who does all my transcripts and a young lad in pakistan uh who do transcriptions for me and the reason i use people is i encourage them to use ai software so in terms of actual products one of them is called otter.ai otter like the cute little uh water dog um uh, what the reason I use people to do it is that they're proofreading it for me for grammar readability. And then I also have them bold out all of the questions that the host asks in order to clip those for blog posts, screenshot them to tweet, anything like that. But essentially it's so I don't have to read through it. I trust them enough to be able to do it. Do you know what's so sad is I actually thought when you said people, I go, people, what is that? Is that PPL.com? Dot <laughs> <laughs> app, <company>? right? <laughs> it's a, it's a living, uh, organism hybrid AI. <laughs> David? So I do use Descript, but if you want an accurate transcript that you're going to put on your website, I don't think you can really use Descript unless you're ready to spend a few hours editing it. So I use, uh, for those purposes, I use Trent.com, which of all I've looked at, that seems to be the most accurate, markedly more accurate than Descript. And we'll even do things like put in parentheses, laughter, Mm -hmm. The person laughs, which I think oh, is nice. cool. Um, uh, Trent, like so, the name, Trent, T R I N T, and you know, so and I got to pay extra for that. But I wish the script was was super accurate because I love it for everything else. But I Seconds. took a look at I took a look at Trent and I thought that's pretty high end. Mm. Yeah, yes. When I saw the price, sixty bucks a month. How much for, un- for unlimited transcriptions, or forty eight dollars oh. a month if you want to do seven files per month. Thirty-two different languages. Identify speakers automatically. Custom vocabulary that you can add. Capture from Zoom. Edit simultaneously in the Teams up to user three users. Share with anyone to view and comment. Uh, Yeah, it's pricey, but it's the one that I have to spend. 
you know, in a 30 minute podcast, I have to spend no more than 10 minutes scanning the thing to make sure there are no mistakes. There might be one, uh, a few, but translates to 54 languages. That's right. Interesting. And I, hmm. Yeah. So if you want to translate it to Farsi just for fun, go for it. That's so a legitimately having... great recommendation. Thank you, David. Well, I'm having that success with, with Podin.io because I can listen back and it's 93% accurate and I can catch mm. it all. Mm. Um, I'm a I'm a Descript guy, um, although I have started playing around with a website called Capsho, C-A-P-S-H-O, where they use AI mm. to generate not only a transcript, but show notes and social media blog posts for your episode. It's a little on the pricey side. I'm going to dig into it a little bit more, but I'll report back next month. You can use ChatGPT to correct errors in transcription but i i heard that it, it just seemed it might be just making an extra it work stopped, it, it stops at a certain length yeah exactly uh, yeah like i put in a whole transcript into chat gpt and it said this is too too long of an entry yeah. <laughs> let's go around with newsletters jag a weber uh it's an email service that will actually pull straight from your rss feed and you can set up an automation to go up when you're when you hit publish on your podcast a w e b e r Catherine? I don't really. I For one client, I do some stuff on MailChimp, which I would prefer not to do. So I, I have no recommendation. I'm open to recommendations. Johnny? www.substack.com forward slash Johnny Podcast <laughs> for a weekly newsletter that you will get in your inbox. It's the only email you will get. This is my promo for the part of the podcast. Um <laughs> I love Substack. I think it's great. I just recently switched over there after Twitter's newsletter thing got shut down. Loved it. A little footnote, do not put your podcast on Substack. There is no 301 redirect. Oh, really? Mm, really. <laughs> David? I'm with Catherine. I don't really do too many newsletters. On the occasions I have, I've used GoDaddy. It's fine, but not great. So I'm kind of useless at it. I'm going to remain a little bit agnostic with this too. I use MailChimp, but Substack, I would, if I started today, I would probably start with Substack. Hmm. You only get to use one social media platform to promote all your shows forever. What will you use, Catherine? I I have to just say Twitter. It's it's too podcasty. All right. Johnny. You already know my answer. The tweet man. <laughs> <laughs> Jag. Twitter, Twitter is the most valuable, I, I think, is has the most valuable audience. You have to find the right audience, but I think that the most high-value people that are using social media are on Twitter. Get rid of all the politics. Get rid of all the social commentary stuff. When you find the right audience, they're on Twitter. You know, for me, it's funny. I, my gut was Twitter, but I'm going to actually change and say LinkedIn because I think you can yeah. make some real meaningful connections on LinkedIn with uh, hashtags in your network. David. I would also say LinkedIn, and especially if you're looking to appeal to a, a corporate audience. I've said this before, but when bank robber Willie Sutton asked why he robbed banks, he said, because that's, that's where the money, the money is. is. And if you had to pick one <laughs> social media channel where corporations live, it's LinkedIn. So I was going to say Instagram, but you guys have convinced me it's Twitter and LinkedIn. That is all. Uh, before we get to the next question, I want Johnny to explain to everybody what an interface is. In the technical terms, an interface, interface, interface. like a audio interface. Yes. Oh, okay, great. So an audio interface is when you're looking at microphones. You, am I correct, Baz? Is that what you want me to talk about? Yes. Oh, okay, you're moving your hand. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so when you're looking at your microphone, you see the big plug-in. That's an XLR. 
Most microphones have the XLR option. Other microphones have a XLR and USB option. If you have the USB option, you can plug directly into your computer. If you only have the XLR option, don't worry, you are not out of luck. You can use what is called a USB audio interface like this. This is the Wave XLR. My XLR only microphone is running right into this fun little box that has a USB out that goes directly into my computer and allows me to use a really nice microphone on the internet to record remote podcasts. And, and I'm, glad you, to, I'm glad you, you explained that, by the way, because people, don't, when we talk about this, people are like, well, why do I need this? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, David. I was just going to say, certainly if, if you're, you have a co-host and you're in the same room together, don't try to do this thing where you plug in two USB microphones into the same laptop. It can be done, I think, but not well. So what, what do you got there? Honey? Recorder. This is a physical recorder. If you're with in person together, you can use your XLR uh, microphones to plug into this. This is the Zoom Pod Track P4. Yeah, I was going to say Zoom H1. Yep. Uh, so, Catherine, that's your answer? Yes. Okay. I'm all right with the Zoom H5. All right. Uh, Jack. This is for a simple one on one. This is the, if we can hold this in my webcam the right way, this is the focus right. One mic in, USB out to the computer. If you're recording multiple people, somebody over a phone, or USB, or anything like that, I would say I'll, I would say instead, um, I would I would say the Rodecaster, which is pricey but worth it. And David, yeah, um, I'm a Rodecaster guy. Again, if you can, if, if you can afford it, it it really is the way to go. If you're looking for one place, if there's one place you're going to stretch to take your podcast to the next level. It's the Roadcaster. It's although it's it's high end, it's made for dummies. It's it really is. It's yeah. it's like Fisher Price. Well, we all know that David's got all the high end stuff going here today. So <laughs> I've, it's good. You stuff. want more sound effects? I got sound effects. You want I know. The, the, Thanks. You want the theme to Benny Hill? <laughs> Thank you. Do you have this? Do you have the Seinfeld baseline? Um. <laughs> That was and not stop planned. it right there. Stop it right there so we don't get flagged. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about curb your enthusiasm? <laughs> I'll wow. go wow. Would it be easier to ask the things that you don't, don't have, have on the soundboard? Yeah. Wow. It's a little demo of the uh, of the of the roadcaster. And this wow. is why podcasting is better than radio because if we're in radio, we're about to hit sixty minutes. We would have had to cut it off. We can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> next next question. It'd be time for WBZ news. Yeah. <laughs> nice reference. Oh yeah. yeah. What's the most overlooked way to monetize your podcast, Jag? Come back to me. I have to think about that for a second. Yeah. Catherine, the most overlooked way to monetize your podcast. I'm going to say get them on your list because people still buy from the list. And so if you can get if you, there's a way that you can get people to opt into your email list, that is going to be long term the best way to turn something into money. Johnny, there is a company out there for your podcast that aligns exactly with your niche that is looking to market to your audience. You don't need to find 10 sponsors. You need to find one company one to get your foot in the door that can become the title sponsor of your show. Build a relationship with them over time. Hey, I want you to be the exclusive sponsor of my show. I'll put you on my cover art. I'll call you out at the beginning of every episode. That's all you need. David. Inviting potential clients on your podcast, this is presuming you have a day job 
You're inviting someone that can be a client of yours in your avocation. They get dazzled by the job you do, letting letting uh, them tell their story on your show. And it, in a way, it doesn't matter if anyone even listens to that episode. The, the client loved it and they give you more business or whatever. There you go. Mine is to actually show up. So it's to show up to a convention or a conference uh, for your podcast. So if it's about radio, show up at a radio convention. If it's about widgets, go to the widgets convention, get in the middle of the whole thing and tell people about their podcast. You'll probably leave with some, possibly some partnership or ad deals. Uh, Jag, is there anything you want to throw in? Yeah, I believe the widget uh, conference, uh, conference is in Anaheim this year. Uh, that okay. said, uh, I would say lead generation. I work with a bunch of financial advisors and you're putting information out there uh, that's useful for somebody planning their retirement. For a financial advisor, if they get one high net worth client, they listen to the podcast and, and, and want to work with them. Podcast is paid for itself for a year at that point. Yep. Headphones. What are your favorite headphones, David? Uh, Audio Technica. I don't know. Jag told me. It's Audio Technica something. I defer to Jag. Jag. Yeah, Audio, Tech, Audio Technica um, is, is kind of the way to go. Look, we've got three votes for it already. I'm wearing Parrot. I like them. I, I will say, I will say as, a, as an addendum, though, in a pinch, your microphone is way more important than your headphones. Those cheap little white uh, headphones that come with an iPhone, as long as they have that standard eighth-inch jack and not the square rectangular one, you can plug those in uh, and quick get it done quick and dirty if need be. Johnny, what are you using and what do you uh, recommend? These are the, so for production, like post-production stuff, I'm using the Audio-Technica M50X. Those are the highest end of the Audio-Technica headphones. Um, what I'm using right now are called the Shure 515. So these are just in-ear monitors. I, you know, I wear those over-the-ear headphones all day long. And then these, I feel like, just look better. I can show my hair off. I can wear a hat. Um <laughs> We're all jealous. Well, three out of the four of us are jealous when you say I'm, hair. I'm I'm a big believer in the fact that most of the people watching and listening probably have AirPods. I think you I think you're fine using your AirPods when you're recording a podcast as the listening device to hear the other person. It is important to be able to hear yourself, but as long as you're not drifting away from the microphone too much, that's what normally you're using the headphones for is to make sure you're still engaging with the front of the microphone. Uh, I, I agree with Jag. I think spend the money on the microphone and the recorder. Headphones are terdiary. Tertiary. 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 I got a pair of Bear I went Dynamics. to college too. <laughs> Didn't even get that. These are Bear Dynamics. They're a little bit more gentle on the ears with the low end. I rather enjoy them. They retail in Canada for $279, $239 in the United States. Wow. And I got them over the more popular Sony ones, which began to hurt my ears at one point. But I'm glad that you brought up, Johnny, the uh, over-the-ear stuff, because I think a lot of people don't want to appear on YouTube with big, bulky headphones, even though yeah. we are all on YouTube right now with big, bulky headphones. The cans, as they call them in the, the business. Cans. Uh, we've reached the end. This is uh, question number 20, and you're only going to be asked to part with one podcast prediction. Who would like to serve up a podcast prediction? AI will not kill the podcast editor. At the end of the day, the tools can be as simple as possible. If you find the right client and that, that they're going to hire you, they do not want to edit their own podcast. Simple as that. It could be the same as just uploading it. I pro the AI says, I promise you this will be perfectly edited and sound engineered to the best of your capabilities. They're going to want a human looking at it at the end. So, I like that. Hear, hear. Jag, you got one? I do. 
Uh, YouTube will incorporate RSS feeds by the end of 2023, and you will be able to count your podcast listens uh, in YouTube and from your podcast host together in one place. David? I think uh, the restrictions on using things like copyrighted music will continue to soften over the years. And I've noticed Spotify is sending out an email where they uh, shrewdly will flag copyrighted material, but then allow you to to click on a box that explains whether you're using it fairly or not. One of the great myths of copyright law is that you're not allowed to use any second shred or anything of copyright. It's not exactly true. There's a thing called fair use. So it's not a bold prediction, but that's mine. Catherine, do you have one? I Yes. And of course, because it's me, it's sort of philosophical in nature. I think that we're going to see, I think for the next year, let's say, there's going to be more decentralization in podcasting. People who did a lot of acquisitions and what have you, things are being shut down. People are getting laid off. I think that there's going to be a little bit of moving back to the order of podcasting with things getting decentralized, which will then quickly be followed let's say a couple of years down the line by some re-centralization, people trying to get value and get do that sort of consolidating to try and, and make podcasting uh, get gets the most that they can yeah. monetarily out of, out of podcasting. I think that we just, we see these forces coming in. There's a lot of people who have a lot of hopes and dreams wrapped up in podcasting and we don't, we never quite make it. And it's interesting to me because I think, podcasting started as a decentralized medium. That was part of the appeal. And people wanted to consolidate it because they want to make money. And it's just going to be this little bit of a, a back and forth on that for the next couple of years. So my podcast prediction is no good anymore. Jag ruined it because his prediction was more specific than what mine was going to be. And I was just going to say YouTube is going to be looking for a new podcast strategy within a year, but Jag took it a step further and just mentioned and said, and correctly. So I believe is that it will include RSS feeds at some point. So, Oh, I'm sorry. I have one more prediction. Uh, the podcast super friends are going to be just the go-to resource for everybody who wants to know about podcasting. When I think of the army of people screaming fair use, let me play music and sound effects on my podcast. I imagine David on the lead horse with his face painted blue and white, like Braveheart. <laughs> Follow me up the mountain, boys. With a roadcaster under his arm. <laughs> You'll never take my music. <laughs> right. Right. All right. We've hit the end. This is where we say goodbye and everybody reminds everybody who they are. We will start with Catherine and we will go clockwise around and thank everybody and tell everybody where you can be found. Okay. And after, after hours, um, this will be a teaser for our list, for our, our audience is I have an idea for an upcoming episode, but my name is Catherine O'Brien. It's been my pleasure being with you. I want Twitter followers too. So follow me. Hello, Catherine O on Twitter. And my company is branch out programs, branch I'm Johnny. You can find me on Substack when you search Johnny Podcast. Go subscribe. Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. And another one. Uh, John Gay, Jag in Detroit Podcast, jagindetroit.com, or on Twitter at Jag in Detroit. Matt Kundal, the Sound Off Media Company, and also the Sound Off Podcast Network out of Winnipeg, Canada. That's it. Thanks, everyone. Great job, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Super Friends. For a transcript of the show or to connect with the Super Friends, go to the show notes of this episode or go to soundoff.network. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.